Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. And my guest today is Leslie Hassler. Leslie of Your Biz Rules takes businesses from surviving and cash-strapped to thriving cash-generating companies so they can impact their communities and create financial legacies by prioritizing ease, profits, and sustainability. She works with smart women business owners in service-based industries who work hard for success, refuse to give up, and are dedicated to scaling their business profitably with expert support to achieve their goals in record time. Thanks so much for joining me today, Leslie. Thank you, Diana. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you here, and I just love this focus on, you know, profit and ease and so that, that I'm really excited to learn uh, through this conversation. <laughs> well, I tell you what, when you do prof when you do focus on profit and ease, which seems to be counterproductive in our culture, um, it's amazing what happens in the business. Like the transformation is night and day. So I'm excited to uh, share that with people. That's so great. All right, so so let's dive in and. Yeah. I want to start, you know, with a couple of definitions. So how do you define growth and scalability? Mm, that's a super good question, because I do think it's one of the biggest misconceptions. Um, and it's a term that we use interchangeably. Like, and I'll use it in my marketing interchangeably because it's the language of the audience. But the truth is growth and scalability are really different. You know, growth and growth is usually that first stage of business that you're in. And it typically is a little easier to obtain, um, to get going, but it's really inefficient. So one of the markers, and I go with a very traditional uh, definition, is that growth is one for one or the return that you'll see is one for one. So for about every dollar you invest in your growth, you receive like a dollar back. And so it's a break even conversation. The step where people get off track with growth is that they expect that one dollar of growth immediately generate a dollar of revenue. And it doesn't happen that way. In fact, it's much more like a CD. I mean, most people understand the concept of a CD in that it takes time. So you're constantly pouring cash investments, which is necessary into the business, but you're not getting it back fast enough. So for so many people, their growth journey is really about being broken tired. 
because they're not understanding what's happening to the cash part of the business. Um, And we can talk about why that is. Scalability, on the other hand, is generally highly profitable. So you're getting a greater return on your investment. So for every dollar, you should be expecting maybe a four, a 10, a hundred dollar return for that money. That's why it generates cash and generates profits. Now it still has a timeline, but because you're not constantly just trading a dollar for a dollar, you tend to have more money stick around. And so that is profitable, but it requires more intention. Growth can just happen if you're good at what you do. Scalability happens when you're strategic and intentional. So it really is this dance that you have to do in a business. Um, I'll hear people just starting out saying, I'm trying to scale. And I'm like, no, actually what you're trying to do is grow because your growth is about putting in those foundations, making sure your marketing works, your sales work. You can, you start to bring on team members, right? You're just, you're trying to get to the stage to where you can reliably bring somebody into the company and you can reliably deliver on your product scalability is about so much more that is where the business really stops being about you and starts to be so much more about the value that you provide and the value that your team can bring to the table wow that is so great thank you for that that makes so much sense to me so how does a business owner know when they're ready to scale so they start out you know just growing are there signs yeah, there actually are. And what's really funny, I just wrote wrote an article about this um, on our blog, but there are some really key signs that say you're ready to scale. And they typically feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So one would be that you you can bring in clients, like the clients are reliable. You don't necessarily know what's doing it, but you know that for the most part, you're going to have revenue. That's a great sign. The problem becomes is because you've been growing, right? And we've talked about the fact that growth kind of devours your cash. Mm -hmm. um, You feel stuck. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you need to quote unquote, do more, but you don't have any more time and you don't have the money to invest. And that's kind of one of those really funny little rock and a hard spots that happen in a business journey that is actually a good indicator that what you need to do next is work on the scalability of your business. So work on efficiencies and productivity, make sure you're capturing, you know, we talk about low hanging opportunities all day long, make sure you're capturing all the potential revenue coming to your doorstep so that you can generate that cash to be able to buy yourself time and get that next level that you're looking for in your business. So that's just a couple Mm -hmm. of them. Um, There's, you likely have a team or a team member, right? Or you're using subcontractors. So you're no longer worried about, you know, how much work you necessarily can do, but you're at that point in time to where you need to hire, you need to be thinking bigger picture and you start to recognize that. Um, Our relationship with work as entrepreneurs is really interesting. If you've read Emeth, you know, he talks about, you know, being a technician, being a manager and being an owner. That's a really important transformation that a lot of people skip 
because their value, like their self-worth value is wrapped up. If you could see all my hand motions at this moment in time, I'm like wrapped up in doing the work. But the important transformation that you've got to be able to bridge when you're going from growth to scalability is understanding that your role as the owner is not to do all the work, but to ensure that the work gets done. And that is a really key. Like once you start to see that that has to happen in your business, you know, you're probably right at looking at going into a scalable mode. And isn't that one of the things that like drives people crazy because they think, okay, I know I need to do this, but it comes back to cash, right? I, I don't have the cash to invest that money. At, Cause I hear a lot of business owners say, okay, which do I do first? Do I hire and hope the money comes to cover it? Or do I go out and get more business and then hire? Mm. You know, it's so interesting to me because it it's different for every business. One of the things when we first start working with somebody, the first thing we're trying to do is we look at cash and we look at ways to create cash because when you've got a little money in your bank, you make smarter decisions, you make less yeah. reactive decisions and it helps us see, okay, do we have the money to start the investments or do we need to go create more money? And so that's a really big um, question that we answer for a lot of people. I really think like when you said, you know, do I just go ahead and make this investment and hope it pans out? There are tools that actually can answer that question for you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, I say we have a few cloudy crystal balls, if you will. I don't have the, you know, the magic pill. Um, be wary of anybody mm -hmm. that says they do, yeah. but I have cloudy crystal balls that help make decisions easier. And one of those is a predictive cash flow. So we use a tool that I recommend for all of my clients. It's pocketsmith.com. So like Gene Pocket Smith, S M I T H.com. Now I'll say it's not intended for business. So it's not, we're not their target audience, but there is this feature and it's cheap. <laughs> so it's, it's 10 bucks a month. So you have no excuse not to do it. Most of the, more professional predictive cash flow analysis tools run 80 to $90 a month. And I find that's too big of a hurdle for the average yeah. business owner to make. This is 10 bucks. And so it's a way that syncs with your bank account. You can put your budget in there. You can put your pipeline in there. And the way that we use it, it's kind of a, the visual is a calendar. And every day it shows you your anticipated expense and income. And then it gives you an anticipated daily balance. So when we're looking at something like making a major investment in growth, be it team, be it marketing, be it systems, whatever that is, we'll plug this in. We'll plug in the expense. And then realistically and almost conservatively, we say, how long is it going to take us to see a return? Okay, we don't think this is going to pan out for three months. And then it'll start to grow from there. So we'll project the impact into the income and then we stop and we go, okay, what happens? How, when do we quote, when do we go in the red? When would we run out of money making this investment? Hmm. And if we can see, oh dude, that would happen next week. We go, hmm, maybe not the right time to make this investment <laughs> right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if it's months out, you can do so much 
to, to mitigate that risk. Mm. And so you will always have to invest before you see the success. This is just a tool that makes it um, more comfortable mm -hmm. and helps you make more confident decisions. But nine times out of 10, they do pan out. Um, there are some things, like I said, if, if we see we go from a cash flow perspective red in a very short window, we don't do them. You know, we know it's not the right time. And then we go look for a different solution to fill the gap. Okay. I, I appreciate that. And I would really like it if you would talk about this whole cash thing, because, you know, you yeah. mentioned it before and, and it really feels like this is the thing that trips up small businesses. It is. So, yeah. What is going on there? Well, we have, there's a couple of things going on. So there's a mindset issue. There's mindset, there's habits, and then there's structure. From a mindset perspective, and I work primarily with women-led service-based businesses, so I, I come, I always come at it from a woman's vantage point. But from a mindset perspective, a lot of women were taught not to focus on the money, right? That wasn't what we did. Mm. In fact, I I can even tell you, like even seven eight years ago, and I've been doing this a while. I would get lampooned for talking about cash in a business. <laughs> it, wow. it thankfully has, has evolved, but the truth is, is cash is your gas, right? It, there's, it's not bad. It's not good. It's fuel yeah. and it's intention that flows through the business. But a lot of women come in to business wanting to serve. Not a problem. Nothing wrong with that. Wanting to solve a problem. Great. That's a great way to start a business. But we seem to follow fall into a couple of hmm, myths or traps. One is, you know, follow your passion and the money will follow. Nope, doesn't happen that way. Your passion's <laughs> important, but if you're not intentional with the money, it just doesn't magically happen. Um, two, I think, is this hustle and grind kind of mindset. Now, hustle and grind for a woman tends to mean that you work yourself like a martyr. Like we go a little far <laughs> in there. Um, and then there's nothing left of you. There's nothing left right. over for you to keep this engine running because it is the, a long game. It's not a short game. It's a long game when you come into business ownership. So we've got those two mindsets, which are very conflicting because that's what, you know, every other meme says out there to do. Um, and that and this kind of concept of I'm not good at math really bleeds into business. What I would say is a good business is good math. But guess what? It's third grade math. And we have this wonderful thing. It's like attached to our hand or in our hip pocket or our purses all the time called the phone that has a calculator. So you don't even have to do the math. <laughs> Right. But you have to be aware of the numbers. You don't have to be a numbers person, yeah. but you do have to be aware of what they're telling you about your business. It's your dashboard. So, I, you know, we've got to get over this mindset type of thing. And I had to go through it myself, you know, um, really just focused on the work when I started my very first business and quickly learned that I could not sustain it if I didn't fix some of the math of the business. So we, yeah. if that's kind of mindset, 
<clears throat> habits are, I'm always shocked when I hear from someone that they don't know how they did this year until their CPA gets their books done. Wow. And that's a really common thing that I hear. Um, there, there are leading indicators and lagging indicators in your business. You need to be on top of them. It's, it's like a pulse. And I, I'll give you another image here. Do you happen to wear one of like a Fitbit or an Apple watch or something? I used to, I don't currently. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of people have this, like we know so much about how our bodies tick, how much, how many hours of sleep, when did it get disrupted? Right. We know all of these things. That's what this type of system, the structure that I'm going to explain in a second is for your business. It's like a Fitbit. And when you know that you've been sitting too long, you typically get up and go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing for your business. So we want to have these kind of feedback mechanisms happen on a more regular basis to help us course correct in the business. We don't want surprises. Surprises are really, I mean, happy surprises will always take, but in truth, they can kind of come around and bite us in the bum Mm -hmm. if we're not prepared for them. So we want to be prepared. We want to, we want to, be in control and not reactive to everything that we're going around. The structure part of this is really um, twofold. So there's, you know, a famous saying, it says, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, and my version, cash is queen. So we're taught to focus on revenue, and that's great. But revenue at the end of the day is not the end all be all. It's a good indicator. But if the profit isn't there, the cash won't be there. And especially in service-based businesses, we have to have that intention that the profit has to come first. Mm -hmm. So you've heard uh, time and time again, um, product-based businesses, they talk about minimum viable uh, products, right? Mm -hmm. That point in time that they know this business can scale. In a service-based business, I the MVP is minimum viable profitability. The first goal is to get to profitability at the smallest revenue possible. Hmm. Okay. For most service-based businesses, that's around, it tends to be in the 200 to 300,000 range. It depends on your model. Um, it can be lower, but it's for a lot of people, it's right in there. When we have profits, we can have cash. When you bring in stuff like a predictive cash flow tool, you start to be able to manage the profit. There's two tools that we use in this area, the the predictive cash flow that I spoke about, and then profit plans. So if you haven't read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. It's, yeah. it's a really good read. It's really good information. A lot of people, it's a little complicated. So we have adopted something a little more abbreviated and we do a profit plan. But it, the the intent is the same thing, is to take the profit first out of the business, to keep the business operating lean so that you can do all those things you initially planned on doing with the economic reward of running a business. So when we marry a profit plan with a cash flow, predictive cash flow tool, that's where we change the economics of the business. And 
I had one client come in. Um, we worked with them for a couple of years, but when they came in and I measured how many days of cash on hand they had in their business, they had about six days worth of cash. Mm. Um, this is a company that had five leadership and then about 20 hourly employees. Wow. So not, not a small business at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But by the time we were done, in fact, we just had lunch a couple months ago, they're up to 60 days worth of cash on hand. Wow. That's a huge difference. It's a massive difference. And we did that work before, <laughs> before yeah. 2020, um, which really paid off for them because their business, because they deal in senior markets, um, was tremendously impacted. And there wasn't a whole lot of pivoting that could be done um, for what they do. So that cash on hand enabled them to keep going and to still stand at the end of the day and you know be able to do the uptick in the swing. So this it's it's a big concept um yeah. but it is it's one that we miss and it's one that I don't feel is talked about enough um especially among women business owners. Yeah, I, you know what I'm in total agreement with you on that. That's why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. I I loved what you said before about um, cash is fuel. It's not, you know, good or bad. It, yep. It's, you know, what, what gets the engine running. Um, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I want to continue the conversation. Whether you're a seasoned designer or a total novice with VisMe, you can create engaging, dynamic, branded content that makes people ask, how did you do that? Visit tinyurl.com slash seizevisme to explore. If you're a small business owner or salesperson who struggles with getting the sales results you're looking for, grab a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And if you haven't seen all audible.com has to offer, you don't know what you're missing. Sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash business growth. Today we're speaking with Leslie Hassler about proven strategies to scale your small business. Now, Leslie, yes, you ma'am. have nine of those proven strategies. I am curious which three, because I like the magic rule of three, which three are the most important right now, would you say? So I would say um, the biggest three is is going to be within leadership, within strategy, and then within operations. And we can dive uh, a little deep into, I don't know, wh- wherever your heart desires. <laughs> Let's start with leadership. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it's really interesting to me to watch people study leadership and to watch how people um, adopt certain ideals and methodologies. And what has occurred to me in leadership is that people will, they'll latch onto a single viewpoint of leadership. The, the complexity of running a business is that no day is the same. Mm. No, nothing's guaranteed. Things can change <laughs> very quickly um, in our world. And so really we need a little bit more of a fluid, daring leadership. Now I say daring because 
Um, if you've read any of Brene Brown's work, I think it's just really transformative for a lot of women business mm -hmm. owners. So you do have to have, be courageous and kind and clear and, you know, everything that Brene Brown, um, talks about, and I'm sure you can find that on audible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, many of my clients have listened that way, but there's this, this idea of fluidity, fluidity. And it's one of these transformations that you've got a, another transformation you have to do in your business. And well, the, the three categories I'll give you is you need to understand when you need to lead out front, when you need to lead from behind, and when you need to lead from the middle. And every mm -hmm. circumstance, almost every employee will require you to move back and forth right and to yeah. meet people where they are that's oh. one of these key concepts it's a key communication concept right yeah. it's the understanding is always the ownership of of the comprehension is always put on to the communicator not that we understand that in yeah. our day-to-day -day practices <laughs> but it's the same way with leadership so i say fluid daring leadership mm. that's so great Okay. I really like that. Uh, it reminds me of when I was first um, starting out and I was supervising a department and my boss called me in her office and told me one of the people thought I didn't like him. And I said, why? And she said, because you don't say hello to him in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was ridiculous. And she <laughs> said, when you're in leadership, you have to deal with people based on who they are, not on who you are. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great lesson for me that, that, you know, it, it, what you're talking about speaks to me on the same level that you have to be able to interact with people as they show up, not as you show up and not as you want them to show up. Right. You, you have to be able to, I like fluid. I like that a lot. That that's a great descriptor. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I think that's really key. It's that key transformation in understanding, because when you first start out, I mean, you're doing it, so you just do it. And then maybe you hire somebody for a task. And so you become directive, you're leading from the front. Mm. But if you truly want to be able to scale, the end goal is to lead from behind, yeah. where the team is the one driving the bus, not you. I think that's pretty hard for small business owners to, to let go of that level of control. Mm, now we go back to the value discussion. Where are you getting your value? Are you getting your value from being in charge or are you getting your value from creating legacy and impact? Where do you derive your value from? It's one of the biggest reasons, especially like in family businesses, family owned businesses, where I'll come in to help facilitate that transition. And typically my existing owner, so the parent in most cases, is having a hard time letting go mm -hmm. because their value has for years been about the business. Yeah. And they have to find a, something to replace how they rate their worthiness. Oh, that's hard. It is so hard. I'm not saying it's easy at yeah. all, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a process, but it can be done. And it's just, if I can raise a little consciousness, like wherever you're having your, your biggest block in your transformation, 
I almost always go, what, what value is this role bringing to you? Are we, you know, let's be conscious of that and let's talk about what it is that you really want to step into. Yeah. Transfer the value. Right. Okay. All right. So you get to pick the next strategy. <laughs> well, let's talk about operations. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I, this is a, a, another dance, you know, just like growth and scalability is a dance. And we talked about fluid leadership. It's another dance. Really operations is this dance between getting work done and getting more done with what you have. So there's, there's, and now I'll, I'll say, if anyone's been listening and, and going back to our cash discussion, this is an area I find cash. This is an area hands down that I can create cash. And one of the things that we look at outside of productivity and efficiencies is capacity. What I typically see, if you think of, uh, most people think manufacturing when you think of capacity, but in the yeah. service-based business, we have capacity as well. What happens is, is at some point in time on the journey, I can see where our investment in payroll and in team can produce an exponential productivity. And so there's this capacity that we look to measure. You will never get be at a hundred percent capacity because people go on vacation. They get sick. You have company retreats, right? The highest point that I can see is at, say as an expectation is 80. Most people can get 70, 75% pretty well but most people are actually operating at a 40 to 60% capacity. Oh, right. So we're not efficiently using our available resources. Okay. Oh, so now I can see now why you say this is where you can find. Right. So if we're at 40% and I can boost you to 60, that's 20% of opportunity. Right. Right. Even if it's 10% of opportunity, depending on what level of business you're operating in, man, we can work magic here. You yeah. know, this is, you know, I, I'm giving away all the secrets, but you know, this is where we play. And so when you're looking at operations and this is really the role of the business center, or if you have happen to have a CLO, but for a lot of people that doesn't happen until you're in the large, small cap, mid cap area of businesses. Um, you're looking at how do we maximize and how do I maximize the return on these resources being my team or my tech or my systems so that we can create a cash, but do it in a sustainable way. The thing we don't want to do is burn people out right. because then that creates a whole nother set of problems. So there's lots of ways to be able to capitalize on that. Um, but it is a huge, huge opportunity that most people don't look at because they're so focused on revenue, right? Mm -hmm. When we do this, we boost profitability. When we boost profitability, we create cash. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so, so important. It, it is a mindset shift for sure um, that, that people have to learn. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the third most important one. And then I have another question. I was debating which question to ask. <laughs> <next>. <laughs> well, I put, 
I put in strategy. I believe that was our third. If yeah. not, I can't, I always reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so really why I say this is because it's really easy, especially as the complexity of your business grows to get stuck in a reactive mode. And when you're in a reactive mode, you're the chief fire putter outer, mm-hmm. make up my own words too. <laughs> um, and that's just not a great place to be. It's, no. it's not a sustainable place to be. <clears throat> when you put intention and strategy and focus into the business, that's really where you start to see next level growth. Um, and when you let it permeate throughout your organization, it is where the fire takes off and it's just, it's all good juju, but you have to be very intentional around it. One of the key concepts that I love to kind of, and I, I gleaned this from a Harvard business review, uh, case study. It was called about roaring out of a recession. It was done in the early 2000s and it looked at the biggest recessions that had happened um, and, and said, okay, we know what happens wrong, but how do we figure out what happens right? <laughs> how do we understand what it takes to get a business stronger after a recession than when it began? And really what they came down to, they found that 9% of businesses were able to do this. So that's a lot of people not able to do this. Okay. And one of the things they said is that when it came to strategy, you need a comprehensive offense with a restrained defense. And that's okay. really powerful to me. So if you think about it is comprehensive offense. Well, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't bet the farm on the thing to save you because oftentimes it's a combination of things that save or that things that create that good growth. So don't bet the farm, which is something that we like to do as entrepreneurs. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And the restrained defenses don't cut yourself so badly that you starve your business. And so what I see happen in, in businesses is that we either have the really, let's say, multi-passionate <laughs> entrepreneur that believes everything's going to work all the time, or we have that entrepreneur that's so ultra conservative that either end of the spectrum, you kind of drain your business. It just, mm. you can't starve it and you can't, you know, play the lottery every day either. So we need to, we need to be in the middle um, to kind of do that. And I, you know, there's a lot of habits that you have to adopt to be able to kind of understand that. But I think when you have a clear vision of where you're going to, then it's easier to choose a comprehensive offense and still be lean and still be smart but make the necessary investments. I totally agree with you on that. And, and I think it, it feels to me like what happens is a, a lot of people start a business and they just take off running and don't have a strategy and don't really have any goal in mind. And so they just keep going, going, going. And then if, if things stop working or start breaking, they're not sure, you know, what to do or how to 
pivot or, you know, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they, they didn't have a structure strategy to begin with. And I'll tell you that. So I have had two businesses. This is my second one. That was me and my first one completely. I mean, textbook example. Huh. <laughs> but that's what a lot of us do, you yeah. know, is, yeah. is we're going back to that e-math example. We create a job before we, we create a company. And so if you're really passionate about the company and your legacy and an impact, then these are the things, these are the foundations you, you put into place to make it all possible. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, this, this makes so much sense to me. Um, so looking at where we are, 2021 and beyond, what do you see um, is going to be like the biggest contributors to a business owner's success? Mm. I will say how agile you can be. Ah. Um, huh. So, and that, that means a couple of things. One, we have to get over... Uh, a success paradox that we have um, where you realize it's not about what you know and it's not really about what got you here. It's about understanding that the rate of change is happening at such an exponential pace that you have to constantly be a mad scientist. You have to constantly be testing and measuring and trying things again and and really understanding that the only one that can craft your secret sauce is you and your team and the people you bring alongside of you to help you do that. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've been beguiled into thinking that business ownership is a race and is a linear journey mm -hmm. and it is nothing. <laughs> it is nothing of the sort. Um, so I really feel like that's a huge mindset shift and intention that has to happen if a business owner wants to have great success. Oh, that's interesting. It's not linear. Mm -mm. That, that's yeah. Huh? Wow. Th this is so great, Leslie. I appreciate this information. I mean, I, you know, I said at the beginning that, that I love the whole, you know, profit and ease thing because um, so many business owners, as you said, focus on revenue, but not on profit. But, but this has been so much more than that because it's really gotten into what it really looks like to be scalable and, and to grow. And I get it that people mix those things up. I think it's so important to hear what works and why, right? Because I know the listeners to this podcast, they listen because they want to learn things that they can take into their business and, and, you know, modify, work on something that may be a challenge for them um, mm. currently. So thanks for, for doing this. And you're welcome. I'm, it's my pleasure. I think it's the conversation we need to be having, which is why I will have it every day, all day long. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, speaking of that, so tell the listeners how they can find you so they can be having that conversation with you. Sure. So the best way would be to go directly to our site. It's yourbizrules.com. 
And um, we have lots of resources. Like I mentioned, we just put out the five clear signs that you're ready to scale. Um, that might be a great read. But we also have a really fun quiz there. It's called the Scaling Rich Quiz. The button's right in the middle of the, you know, the screen when you get there. So you'll easily find it. But it, it helps you kind of look at um, where you are, where you're trying to go to and grow to. And help you understand if you've got these things in place in a really kind of fun and motivational way. So we we're testing your scaling rich persona. Um, and then we provide some really customized uh, tips and tools that can help you get to the next level. That's terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again, on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.